Welcome to episode 20 of Clearly KC, a podcast by the National Keratoconus Foundation, featuring information about life with keratoconus. I am your host, Dr. Melissa Barnett. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Anne Ostrovsky, a corneal specialist who spent the last decade at NYU and is now the inaugural chief of ophthalmology at East Carolina University Health and Brody School of Medicine in North Carolina. She's the co-founder of the T21 Down Syndrome Program and the director of the Keratoconus Program at NYU. So welcome to the Clearly KC podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. Dr. Barnett, thank you so much for having me. I'm so interested in the T21 Down Syndrome program that you co-founded, and I read that it offers social, emotional, and informational support to parents, caregivers, and siblings of individuals with Down Syndrome. Please share more about this multidisciplinary team approach. Yes, this program was founded in 2018 with my colleague, Dr. Bernard Dreyer at NYU Langone, and that program still lives at the hospital there. The program is meant to be created to bring together care, specialized care for patients with Down syndrome in a multidisciplinary way, and to be able to provide patients with care from all different subspecialties under one roof, with ophthalmology being obviously one of them, but they are also able to provide kidney care, heart care, and several other disciplines of medicine for patients with Down syndrome. That's incredible. Are there programs like this all over the country, or is this something that's unique? Uh, There certainly are other programs. Um, In the Northeast, the nearest program to the tri-state area is in Philadelphia uh, at UPenn. Um, So I think that there was a real necessity and a real need to have this multidisciplinary program in the Northeast, which is why we decided to create it. Wonderful. Now that you're in North Carolina, is there a program locally? Currently, there is not, but I certainly have plans to provide care for my patients with Down syndrome, initially focusing on their ophthalmic care. And over time, depending on the local population and how many folks we end up seeing, perhaps expanding it as well and creating a multidisciplinary practice. Wonderful. I understand that your clinical focus has been on the management of corneal ectasias. What are some conditions where you see a higher prevalence of keratoconus? So keratoconus has at its root some abnormality in the collagen of the cornea, and it shares that with some other conditions, systemic conditions that also have an abnormal collagen, such as Down syndrome, Uh, various connective tissue diseases, such as Erlos, Donlos, Marfans, mitral valve prolapse, and osteogenesis imperfecta. Other research studies have also suggested that conditions that increase local inflammation around the eye can also contribute to keratoconus. And so atopy has also been associated as a systemic condition that predisposes to the disease, and they can be found in, in the same individuals. Yes, I definitely see that in our patient population as well. And are there any modifiable uh, 
behavioral changes that you can recommend for people with keratoconus? What is one thing that you would say to everyone? Well, you know, I think it's a a two-prong approach to this. So I think uh, everyone has heard that eye rubbing is quite prevalent as a mechanism by which keratoconus can get worse or even can become manifest in patients who are predisposed. Sometimes just educating the parents or the patients themselves that eye rubbing is a dangerous pastime for this condition can actually uh, decrease that behavior. But sometimes the eye rubbing is actually a symptom of an underlying condition, such as we just spoke about atopy or maybe blepharitis or something else that causes itching of the eyelids. And as a physician, you may be able to actually modify that for your patient and actually decrease the itching component, which then leads to that frequent eye rubbing. And it's wonderful that we have so many new FDA approved products also to help with that and over-the-counter products and all sorts of things that we can recommend for our patients. I also think that it's very important to have eye exams. So to actually go in, have a comprehensive eye exam to evaluate for everything, including keratoconus. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And there are certainly some guidelines, you know, for pediatricians assist us and remind us to send the patients for regular eye exams, even when they're teenagers, which is when this disease can become manifest. Exactly. In your experience in your patients with Down syndrome, what are some challenges that you see in clinical practice for the management of keratoconus? These patients can certainly be challenging to diagnose and manage for a couple of reasons. There's certainly a spectrum of functional level for some of our patients. Some are very, very high functioning and can cooperate with exams very easily. And so it's easy to check their vision and they can fixate on the light on our imaging equipment. Um, And others are, are lower functioning. And so it can be challenging to even just check a vision or again, get a reliable topography on them. So that's one thing. The second thing that I think makes it a little bit challenging to diagnose and treat these folks is that we don't have normative databases for a lot of our topographic equipment or diagnostic equipment for this disease. So we're taking corneas, which in patients with Down syndrome are are not normal corneas as compared to normal corneas of typical patients. They already have some differences. And then we're comparing these at baseline, atypical corneas to a normative database of typical patients, right? So that in itself can create problems for us in diagnosis and management and following these patients over time to see if there's been change. Right. Well, that's a great research project. There we go. (laughs) Do you have a resident that you can assign that to? There certainly are groups that are currently working on this and various groups that have attempted to describe some of the atypical features of normal corneas of patients with Down syndrome. So I think some of that work is already being done, but certainly the next step would be to create normative databases in our topographic equipment that we could use to compare patients against. Yes, that would be really important. Corneal topography and corneal tomography. So if anyone's listening and wants to do some research, we have a great project for you. In your patients specifically with Down syndrome, how do you determine the management uh, for these patients with keratoconus? Again, there's not one specific management, probably, but what are some of the different management paradigms that you 
come up with. Yes, absolutely. I think it's really important to take each one of these patients as an individual and to individualize the treatment to the patient. A lot of things depend on their functional level that, for example, to some degree will depend how quickly you're able to diagnose them and figure out that they're progressing. It also will depend on how you would choose to treat them. If you have somebody who is very compliant and very high functioning, you may be able to plan a cross-linking procedure for them in the office under local anesthesia as compared to somebody who is much lower functioning, maybe very prone to eye rubbing that you would consider admitting to the hospital and maybe even keeping in the hospital for post-operative course during their healing process. I think also taking into account their support network is very important to make sure that after their procedure, they have someone who could reliably monitor them, administer medications to them, and also bring them back to the office in case there's a problem. Very important. Right. And also, especially to know the patient, right? Because sometimes a lot of my patients with Down syndrome, they they tend to not complain. And so it's important um, to have someone who's really vested in their care and who is going to monitor them and, and realize that there's something going on that may be out of the ordinary. Exactly. And then to bring them in and to communicate that and to have a phone conversation if there is something that comes up. Exactly. We we sometimes very frequently rely on the parents to actually tell us to some degree that there's been a functional decline, right? That they would notice something, whether it's the patient holding the, the piece of paper that they're used to reading or their newspaper or something a little closer, a little further away, or maybe not finding their way in a place that they normally felt comfortable navigating. So we certainly do depend on their caretakers a lot to assure that their post-operative care is maximized and optimized. If you keep a patient in the hospital for their post-operative care, how long is that approximately? You know, corneas are fast to heal uh, in most young patients, and frequently 24 to 72 hours is where the epithelium will heal, and most of the uh, pain phenomenon will be much improved, as well as light sensitivity and photophobia. So I have had patients that I've had to admit for about that period of time, 24 hours, sometimes 48 or 72. Some have to be sedated so that they are not actively rubbing their eye during the healing period. Yeah, but sometimes it is an, an extensive venture. And this is talking about crosslink. I'm specifically talking about crosslinking. Right. If you undertake right. a corneal transplant, for example, that may be a longer period of time. Wow. That's actually something I've never thought about being in the hospital for that much time, but it makes perfect sense, of course, to avoid touching the eye or rubbing the eye. Exactly. And especially in the acute healing phase, you know, I have seen patients rub their eye aggressively and it could really lead to some pretty detrimental and terrible (laughs) melting of the cornea and really bad outcomes. So the more aggressive we are sometimes, the more appropriate it is for the patient and to optimize their healing. Yes, definitely. I actually have a few questions from parents who have children with Down syndrome. So two questions. The first is, the doctor mentioned that 2040 was the best vision that could be achieved. Is that true? So that is a very interesting question. And in some patients, it can be true with patients with Down syndrome. There has been research to show that 
there are some changes in the cortical wiring of the eyes to the brain in patients with Down syndrome. Now, it's not everybody. I have certainly had patients who have had 20-20 or 20-25 vision, but in others, a completely normal-looking cornea, completely normal-looking eye, a highly functional child, and the vision is 20, 30, 20, 40, 20, 50. So yes, in some patients with Down syndrome, best corrected acuity may be limited to a lower level of vision than a typical child because of these sort of cortical misconnections that occur in some patients. Wow, fascinating. And then the other question is, to what extent does low muscle tone impact eye health for individuals with Down syndrome? Generally, muscle tone in children with Down syndrome frequently does not affect the eyelids. If it does, there certainly may be an effect that affects eye health. So if the muscles of the eyelids are not functioning properly, the child may not be able to fully close the eyes, for example, and that could lead to exposure of the cornea or drying out of the cornea. I have to say that in most of my patients, however, low muscle tone in the eyelids is not a very common finding, and it is not something that I have personally seen a lot of in my patients with Down syndrome. Thank you. Thank you for your insights. Are there any specific techniques that you employ in your clinic to optimize the diagnosis and management of keratoconus in the patient population with Down syndrome? Yes, absolutely. At NYU, I had techs sort of trained specifically to evaluate patients with Down syndrome in a slightly different manner. Most of my techs were pediatrically trained and so had already some tricks up their sleeve for examining children. It is important, again, to know the functional level for the patient that you're examining. If they're able to read letters and they know their letters, you certainly could check their vision with a Snell and Acuity chart. But sometimes you have to get creative and use pictures or maybe even matching cards. I've actually had parents take home pictures and letters and uh, symbols and practice it with their child so that when they're in the clinic, it's easier for them to identify some of these uh, symbols. I think a lot of patience and time is really required. The, the, the child or the adult with Down syndrome can frequently get used to you uh, in the clinic after they've come a few times. They also get used to uh, the equipment. Frequently, the first time you do a corneal tomography or topography, it's not very reliable. And the patient, it was a tough test for them to do. They weren't able to fixate. But over time, they can actually learn and get more comfortable with the testing. And you may be able to get better quality imaging for your patients. I think other things that are really important is an individualized approach in the surgery suite. So if my patient can tolerate cross-linking under topical anesthesia, I may let them uh, do certain things that maybe I, I don't let my typical patients do. I will certainly always let their parents come in what age they are. Sometimes uh, they want to bring uh, toys with them, try to find out their favorite music, something that makes them feel calm. We have also frequently not used eye speculum uh, for my patients with Down syndrome. And I'd had my technician just with their fingers very gently holding the eye open. Sometimes that can decrease their anxiety in the operating suite. Having a really close interaction with their pediatrician is also really important uh, Mm -hmm. because sometimes you can pre-medicate them uh, even in the office, but knowing obviously what the patient is able to tolerate is very, very important. And so those collaborations with the primary care physician can be very, very useful and helpful in approaching individualized care. 
Wow, there's so many great tips there. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, there are other things that you can do uh, to get the patients more comfortable with you in the office, trying to use eye drops ahead of time and giving the the parents, for example, some bottles of artificial tears that they could start using a few weeks before the cross-linking procedure or the surgery that they're going to have, practicing wearing some chemistry goggles, which is what they would wear afterwards to protect their eyes and having that be a game and something that they, again, would become used to prior to actually having their procedure or surgery done. Wonderful. I use artificial tears even prior to contact lens wear. I find that's really helpful. Absolutely. Hold eyes Absolutely. The more practice, the better they get at it. Yeah. And they get used to it. Wonderful. Well, there are so many great insights. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? No, I think I'd like to just reiterate what you said in the very beginning, you know, and the importance of routine eye exams and coming in as regularly having the eye. Um, I can't say enough about having the patient sort of get used to their doctor, get, getting used to the atmosphere. And sometimes for my patients with Down syndrome, those eye visits are more frequent than they would be in my typical patients. And so definitely, again, the parents play a big role in making all of those things happen for their child. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for all of your knowledge and words of wisdom. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on Clearly KC. Please listen to all of the episodes on the Clearly KC podcast on Podbean or your favorite podcast app to subscribe and get future episodes. For now, I'm Dr. Melissa Barnett. See you next time on Clearly KC. Thank you.